The scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8 and 11 through 13. So friends, it's obvious that our visit to you was no waste of time. We had just been given rough treatment in Philippi, as you know, but that did not slow us down. We were sure of ourselves in God and went right ahead and said our peace, presenting God's message to you, defiant of the opposition. God tested us thoroughly to make sure that we were qualified and to be trusted with this message. Be assured that when we speak to you, we're not after crowd approval, only God's approval. Since we've been put through that battery of tests, you're guaranteed that both we and the message are free of error, mixed motives, or hidden agendas. We have never used words to butter you up. No one knows that better than you. And God knows we never use words as a smokescreen to take advantage of you. Even though we had some standing as Christ's apostles, we never threw our weight around or tried to come off as cross as important with you or anyone else. We weren't standoffish with you. We took you just as you were. We were never patronizing, never condescending, but we cared for you the way a mother cares for her children. We loved you dearly. Not content to pass on the message, we wanted to give you our hearts, and we did. You remember us in those days, friends, working our fingers to the bone, up half the night, moonlighting so that you wouldn't have the burden of supporting us while we proclaimed God's message to you. You saw with our own eyes how discreet and courteous we were among you, with keen sensitivity to you as fellow believers. And God knows we weren't freeloaders. You experienced it all firsthand. With each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand and whispering encouragement, showing you step by step how to live well before God, who called us into his kingdom, into this delightful life. And now we look back on all this and thank God, a geyser of thanks. When you have the message of God we preached, you didn't pass it off as just one more human opinion, but you took it to heart as God's true word to you, which it is. God himself at work in you believers. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Right now, we are all in the midst of our Sunday liturgy. We've used that word in here before, liturgy. You know what that word means. It's the, the work of the people. And our Sunday liturgy includes things like giving, serving, learning, praying, and doing all of these things together. It's not just for the outcome that these actions produce. No, liturgy is about what happens to us when we join together and go through these actions with our bodies. We're changed. We become something more and different than we started out as when we do these things together. 
this is our Sunday liturgy, what are our weekday liturgies? This is our Sunday liturgy, what is our weekday liturgy? On Sundays, we make sure to say certain things out loud. It just happened just now, right? Eric said for us, after his wonderful reading, this is the word of God, and we all said in response, yeah, yeah. Or um, at the beginning of the service, when Avery said, this is the day the Lord has made, and we all said, yeah. Yeah, now some of those are particular to Wesley. Here at church, we print them in the bulletin to tell you to do them. Some of them are seasonal. But pretty much in any Christian church, you'd stop by on a Sunday. We'd have a shared liturgy. Pretty much anywhere we would remember to say out loud the Lord's Prayer. Right? Our Father, who art in heaven. Pretty much... Anywhere, any Christian church you go to for a Sunday liturgy, we'd remember to say out loud, thank you to God, like in the doxology. We make sure to say things out loud. But what about in our weekday liturgies? What are the patterns, what are the routines, the repetition, the habits of our weekdays? To whom are they directed? With whom do we perform them? Which things do we remember to say out loud? There are such things as cultural liturgies, practices and traditions and repetitions that come from where you grow up, the culture of which you are a part, We have cultures within cultures that teach us different things, but let me give you an example of some of what I'm thinking about. I remember talking to my parents and them explaining to me that they grew up in a culture where you wouldn't praise someone to their face, right? You could say something nice to somebody else, right? But you wouldn't say it, especially if it was about a member of your own family, you wouldn't say it in front of them. This was a cultural liturgy, and it had to do with a sense of humility, right? being humble and not prideful, not thinking you're better than anyone else. But it also had this interesting thing that sometimes within this cultural liturgy, parents would forgot, forget to say out loud that they loved their children. So that shapes people, right? That particular cultural liturgy creates a certain kind of community. And we have cultural liturgies too. When you think about your weekday liturgies, what are the routines? Is there a particular show that you watch after you get home from work? Is there a particular thing that you do to congratulate yourself when you reach the end of the week? When Wes and I were first getting married and we were going to the um, little receptions or gatherings with people from our home communities, 
you know, they would engage in all those little traditions like at wedding showers where they'd give you little words of advice or send you a card with some suggestions in it or something. And I remember getting some advice um, from people. I think one of the people who gave us this advice was actually the pastor who I grew up with. It was my pastor when I was sitting on the steps during children's time who said how important it is to kiss when you say goodbye. My pastor was very explicit about how important kissing is in a marriage. It was a liturgy. It was a liturgy that they practiced in their family. It was a cultural liturgy he was offering to us. I'm sure you have some too. Cultural liturgies are really influential, and what they do is they create a sense of what's normal for us. They, in fact, try to define what's normal. And not all of them are meant to be positive. Right? Some of them are pretty casual. They don't really mean any harm. But I think about the cultural liturgies of sitcoms, of sitcoms about families in particular. Have you ever noticed in traditional sitcoms, moms are always exasperated? Yeah. <laughs> Moms are always exasperated. And dads in sitcoms are always a little bit selfish. Have you noticed that? These are cultural liturgies and they don't mean any harm. They're just coming from a place of humor. But some of our cultural liturgies aren't so benign. Some of them are about telling you, are you feeling stressed? You should eat something. You should buy something. Is there chaos around you? Are you feeling uncertain about the future? Yeah, maybe you should choose a label to apply to yourself so you can feel like you belong. Some of our cultural liturgies are not so benign. They try to tell us what is normal. And their goal for normal is, you know, that we're going to spend a lot of money that we're always going to be a little bit anxious and worried. We're always going to feel like we're not quite good enough. You know, and that we're always going to listen if somebody influential st steps up and tries to tell us how they can solve our problems. These are very different from the kind of Sunday liturgies that we have. Because if you look closely and you reflect on it, you'll notice Sunday liturgies give opposite messages. Sunday liturgies are about how there is absolutely nothing wrong with you, that community cannot heal, that recognizing that you are just a human and that God made you and loves you cannot settle and restore. There's nothing that coming together as a group and organizing to do something that benefits somebody else cannot help us feel stronger, more secure, like we belong, not because we've oversimplified, but because we've remembered where our power actually comes from. In all of these little ways, Sunday liturgies are there to remind you that you are a person of sacred worth, that you have agency and power, and that when we come together as community, our diversity actually helps us see more of the face of God than we'd be able to if we just got it all done ourselves. In a sitcom, mom is exasperated, dad is selfish, and the kids are usually a little bit sassy, proud. 
But Paul, Paul in writing the first letter to the Thessalonians is drawing from a different liturgy, and he uses different parent images. Did you hear that in the reading? Did you hear the parent images in the reading? Parenting images are important. Later in the history of the Christian church, closer to our time, something like celibacy is going to be heightened in value. It's going to seem like if you have kids, if you decide to marry someone and have a domestic life, there's some way that you haven't attained the philosophical ideal. But that comes along later. When Paul is writing the letter to the Thessalonians, actually the family is everything. Parenting images are really important because no one is a whole person by themselves. Everyone is meant to be claimed by other people. Not by blood, but by community. And for Paul, in this letter, mothers are not exasperated. No, the image is that mothers affirm a child's dignity. They are trustworthy in vulnerable times. The image is of a mother cradling a helpless infant. In Paul's imagery, mothers are trustworthy in vulnerable times because they recognize a child's dignity and affirm it. In Paul's imagery, fathers are not selfish. Fathers are encouraging. Fathers see the gifts that their children have, potential that lays before them, and root for them. Root for them to have a great future. And this is not gendered. It's just a way of recognizing that these things are so important in our community life, whether you are a child by age or a child by experience, a newcomer, right? Mothers affirm a child's dignity. They are trustworthy. Fathers see potential and are encouraging. They want the best for their children. Christ is both. And here, where we practice Sunday liturgies, Christ is our normal. This is the image that we're trying to share around as normal. This is where we want to be drawn to, what we want to practice. We imagine a network of relationships that are not about transaction, not about what somebody has earned, not because someone has already achieved their potential or proved themselves, not because they have the power to return you good for good, but because of grace. Our God says to us over and over throughout the ages, remember, remember, you were slaves in Egypt. You had no power to offer anything. You did not even belong to yourselves. But I came and claimed you. I came and claimed you, and I delivered you. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. Remember that you were immigrants in the land of Canaan. You did not have anyone who owed you anything. You did not have any land to claim your own. You did not have any assets to trade with. Remember that. I have 
loved you. How I have held you like a mother holds an infant. How I have seen the potential in you and encouraged you. Not because you've earned it, but because of grace. This is the liturgy that we are practicing in this space. When we come together, we have a safe workshop in which we can experiment with this liturgy. But when we go from this place, we are trying to carry it in our bodies out into the world. We are trying to grow out of the idea that we earn trust, but instead that we grant it. We're trying to learn how to grant grace, which is love that is unearned. We're trying to learn, as the bishop who preached yesterday, Bishop Easterling, said, that politicians and leaders, they are not the peacemakers. The body politic is. We are the ones who practice nonviolence. We are the ones who make for peace. We are trying to learn that and embody that our normal is grace. That's why we give to strangers' children when they knock on our doors, right? This is why we give to world mission. This is why we support the community of faith. Our normal is grace. There's this theologian, um, Hans Urs von Balthasar, and he uses a family image too. He says, After a mother has smiled at her infant child for many days and weeks, she finally receives her child's smile in response. She has awakened love in the heart of her child. And as the child awakens to love, it also awakens to knowledge. In this face, the primal foundation of being smiles at us as a mother and as a father. No human heart can come to an understanding of God without the free gift of God's grace. Jesus Christ is the smile of God. Now we are Christ's body in the world. So let us invite God to tune our homes to sing grace, to practice a daily liturgy of grace. Amen.